the way <laughs> I took this film uh-huh. so seriously as a child, <laughs> and now watching it with the 2020s vision, it is definitely a parody. <laughs> But you just, as a child, you're like, wow, this is dark and gritty and serious. <laughs> but it's also cartoon, so it's okay, because I'm a kid. <sighs> oh, my God. I just. <laughs> Toon killed his brother. Dropped a, a piano, piano on his head. Like, <laughs> how does anyone keep it together? <laughs> this movie is fabulous, guys. <laughs> the feelings I have about Cabin in the Woods, they're opposite to this. <laughs> Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where we're not bad, we're just drawn that way. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 1988 fantasy comedy mystery, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Oh, and is it a parody? (laughs) Again, I was criticized for putting this in this month's selection, however... I do think I have a strong case here. You have the biggest case, and I drop mine. (laughs) Guys, we love this fucking movie. I I think I might be able to quote the whole thing. This is a core film from childhood, over and over and over again. Like This was a constant blockbuster rental. Like Another dad favorite. Another dad favorite. (laughs) Holy shit. It's okay to show them who framed Roger Rabbit, because there's cartoons in it, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's so dark. Guys, but it's still so good. Before we get started, don't forget, go over to Twitter and follow us at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join our little fool-ass film watch party. And don't forget about the Patreon. Guys, for just five $5 a month, you too can be a little onion contributor at the $5 level, guys. We got everything over there for you right now. Our television coverage, our long-form coverage. There's 50, 50 bajillion, bajillion episodes. episodes of- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you always say that one. <laughs> There's 50 bajillion episodes of John Adams from HBO and Netflix's The Haunting of Hill House over there. We covered every episode of each one of those series. There's so much content. You have time at work to listen to shit? It's perfect for that. <laughs> for your commutes, we want everyone to come and join our little party. Like, and guys, if you want access to our full catalog of main feed goodness, you just go on over to our Podbean page. You can get a custom RSS link there and listen in any player of your choosing. There has never been a better time to give us your money. (laughs) All right. Are you ready to get toony? Carrie, the juxtaposition of feelings that arise with this film are so momentous. Like, I can give you stars. Just drop the refrigerator in my head one more time. Drink up on your head 23 times already. I can take it. Don't worry about me. I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about the refrigerator. This is the tale of an up-and-coming movie star named Roger Rabbit and a down-and-out private detective stay out. named Eddie Valiant. Ooga booga. Every moment they were together ah! was a new adventure in trouble. Hide me, Eddie. <laughs> It's a motion picture about friendship. Oh, Eddie, 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 Eddie
I'm sorry I yanked your ears. All the time you yanked my ears? Murder. Marvin Acme. A rabbit cacked him last night. Remember, you never saw me. Sex. I'd do anything for my husband, Mr. Valiant. Anything. <laughs> Tunes gets him every time. You wouldn't have any idea where the rabbit might be? Got a thing for rabbits, huh? The whole thing stinks like yesterday's diapers. It's a comedy a little different from all the rest. I'm a pig! I'm a toon! I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. But tell me, Eddie. Is that a rabbit in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? Touchstone Pictures and Steven Spielberg present a Robert Zemeckis film. We toons may act idiotic, but we're not stupid. Who framed Roger Rabbit? So should I just start by explaining myself here? Okay. Yeah, because again, I have had some people who are like, why are you putting Roger Rabbit in with the rest of the parodies? Like, Because it is, guys. It, yeah, I have two justifications for this. Number one, it's definitely a commentary on old film noir and murder mysteries. Yes, this is our uh, murder mystery parody genre. Like, Yeah, and, the, and then it makes fun of it by setting it against a backdrop where humans and cartoons coexist. Yeah, no, guys. How could you take it so seriously? <laughs> yeah. Which brings me to my second point. It's also a commentary about cartoons themselves and the cartoon industry, which makes for very hilarious results. One thing that cartoons do all the time, like since the time of Looney Tunes, is parodying existing things. Like, you know, all the episodes were like the the opera episode with Elmer Fudd and uh, Bugs Bunny. Yes, yes. Or there are episodes where they make fun of things like Grapes of Wrath Uh or The Count of Monte Cristo. Sure. And like, and we still do it today. The Simpsons, Family Guy, Bob's Burgers, all huge proponents of parodying existing things. Mm -hmm. We're actually seeing contextualized existing intellectual properties here and giving them their own metaverse. Like Disney and the Warner Brothers. There's a character whose last name is Acme. That's a brand we see repeated over and over again Mm -hmm. in Looney Tunes cartoons. And it's just like, so I think that the reason that people were like, well, why do you want to do this as a parody is because when you're a kid... You take this so seriously. And by people, she means me. And I... not just you. I think we all did. Because cartoons were a serious business for us as children. No, you mean... I was the only... But you said people like there were a bunch of people criticizing you for (laughs) wanting to put this in parody month. But, like, it was me. It was me. It was you. But then I watched it, and I was remembering as I was watching it how seriously I took it as a child. And how it is, in fact, a parody. (laughs) Like, even going through the story this time, watching it around. They were things I didn't pay attention to as a child. Yeah. Because it didn't matter to me. Mm -hmm. I was ready to get to the cartoons, you know? (laughs) So, guys, please welcome him back to Kicking and Streaming. We stand him here at KNS. We love us. A Robert Zemeckis film. Remind me, what are some Zemeckis we have uh, covered in the past? Zemeckis (laughs) Well, I mean, stuff we've covered in the past is, of course, 
the Polar Express. Yes. Indeed, indeed. I mean, I think he's, I think that might be one of the only ones we've done Mm -hmm. from Zemeckis, but I do love me some Zemeckis. I mean, he did Back to the Future, Uh all of them. He did Forrest Gump. He did Castaway. He did, ooh, Flight. Yeah, ooh. With Denzel Washington oh, from 2012. I love that movie. Yikes. And, uh, oh, you know, he did the remake of The Witches. Sorry about that, Bob. Um, <laughs> he did not hit the nail on the head, that one. Okay. This whole movie is adapted from Gary K. Wolf's 1981 novel, Who Censored Roger Rabbit? Not quite the same thing. No, no, yeah. It... it... <laughs> It it details the story of a hard-boiled private eye named Eddie Valiant and this second banana comic strip character named Roger Rabbit. And Roger hires Eddie Valiant to find out why his employers, the DeGreasy brothers, (laughs) uh, the owners of a cartoon syndicate, have reneged a promise to give Roger his own comic strip and potentially sell his contract to a mystery buyer. Oh, okay. Yeah, and the novel is apparently very dark, Roger Rabbit actually does not appear. He is only ever spoken to in shadow. Really? And I don't know the whole plot of the novel. I just know that there are characters that are used in this film adaptation that are primarily from the novel. But we have expanded upon this Who Framed Roger Rabbit universe to set it into late 1940s Hollywood. Yeah. (laughs) In which... Human beings and cartoons coexist in society. Kind of. I think the cartoons are kind of second-class citizens. There is a whole division in Los Angeles County that is Toontown. Yeah. Where the Toons live. Yeah. Here's my thing. Uh Uh-huh. In order for this universe and Who Framed Roger Rabbit to exist, it is still implied that Toons were created by humans. Uh (sighs) Uh-huh. Which leads me to think about the first time someone drew a classic cartoon character (laughs) and like Doodle Bob, (laughs) it woke up, became sentient, and crawled off this drafting table page. (laughs) And I'm thinking about the screaming animator (laughs) whose work just came to life for real. It is alive. It's happening. It's It's happening. happening. Physics are suspending. It's kind of like, it, 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 I, just, I just love that. Like, how did this universe come to be? And, you know, they live side by side in harmony. The only difference between the book, like, one of the key differences between the book and this movie is that in the book, tunes can be killed. Uh-huh. Like, they can be shot, they can be maimed and die. Uh-huh. But obviously, in this universe, there's only one way to kill a tune, and we'll talk about it. Oh, yeah. But this movie is notable for actually kickstarting the Disney Renaissance. Yeah. Because the year after this, what did we get, Carrie? We got The Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid, which marks the beginning of the Disney animation renaissance because by the late 70s, Disney animated features were no longer really the rage. Yeah. You know? Which sucks because there were good movies in that era. Yeah. Well, hey, that's the era where Black Cauldron came out. And the 80s, you know, were kind of a dip for Disney animation features. And then The Little Mermaid, but like when they brought the Disney and Warner Brothers universes together uh-huh. in this movie, it's the only production where Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny ever appear together. Isn't that wild? It is wild. Like, And 
Guys, this is, obviously Disney and Warner Brothers are involved, but the real credit to getting this off the ground is Amblin Entertainment. Mm -hmm. That's Steven Spielberg's Mm -hmm. big vehicle is Amblin. This movie made $300 million. Oh, yeah. And it is... It is it is one of the most successful joint live action animation features of all time. Because up until this point, animation had been used with live action before, like Mary Poppins, Anchors Away, Fantasia, Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Yeah. But in those movies, all the cartoons were flat. The camera never moved while they were on screen, and they don't really look like they're a part of the universe, right? Right. And this is the first time an actual cinematic camera was used on these cartoons in the movies as if they were a part of the environment. And the animators and special effects artists went to great pains to make sure these cartoons felt like they were living, breathing things, interacting with objects, with the human actors. They're also shaded in accordance with the lighting conditions of the shot. Mm -hmm. And it's so amazing. It's all achieved through wires, puppetry, animatronics, stand-ins. Every single shot of this movie had to be printed into a still photograph so that animators could then draft cells over top of it. Indeed. Oh my god, how long that must have took. Zemeckis brought together two key production members here, and that's cinematographer Dave Kundi and animator Richard Williams, who is from the UK. I'm saluting. <laughs> you You guys can't see it, but I'm saluting Richard Williams. Kundi and Williams had not the best working relationship. <laughs> you know, Williams is saying to Kundi, well, you can't shoot it that way because it's not going to show up when I animate it. Mm-hmm. And Kundi's like, well, we can't do it this way because the live action's going to look stupid. And it's like <laughs> them pulling Zemeckis back back and forth you know like <laughs> but the finished product slaps oh yeah like it's so seamless the thing that absolutely boggles my mind is the shadowing oh i know we'll talk about the lamp shot because oh all of these animated characters having to exist in this live action world they have to cast a shadow, right? Yeah. They have to be affected by natural light in order for us to interact with them because this is a 3D plane that we're on. <laughs> we're actually mixing two different planes. How does that work legally? I... <laughs> <laughs> like, uh... if a crime is committed in 2D, can it be prosecuted by a 3D authority? <laughs> Let's not get bogged down in the weeds. <laughs> oh my gosh. And guys, this film won three Oscars. <laughs> really? Yeah, best film editing, best sound effects editing, and best visual effects. Hell yes. And you know it was just, actually it won four. Yeah. Because it won the Special Achievement Academy Award for I mean, for Richard Williams's animation prowess. Because it was completely unprecedented. And the thing is, it's done so well that you look at other projects like it that came out after it, and they're not as good looking. Cool World comes to mind. The one where Brad Pitt is a detective stuck in this animated universe. That came out like six years after this, and it doesn't look as good. This film, to this date, has a 97% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Hell yes. All right, guys, you might have guessed it, but we have got names. As a private investigator... 
Eddie Valiant. I want to call him detective, but he's not a detective. He's a private detective. As Eddie Valiant, please welcome him back to Kicking and Streaming. We have the one and only Bob Hoskins. This is, I believe, his third appearance with us here. He was with us when we covered Hook, because uh-huh. he's Smee, and he was with us when we covered Mermaids. Oh, yeah. Because he shares boyfriend in Mermaids. <laughs> Listen, all I'm saying uh-huh. is that I'm kind of into him. <laughs> The 80s, the 80s, early 90s, Bob Hoskins. Guys, he's British. Yeah, Dad always says he's the owner of one of the best American accents by a Brit he's ever seen. Hello. Hello. Having trouble with the missus? (laughs) Smeeze me. What about me? (laughs) Guys, Penny's from Heaven, The Long Good Friday, Mona Lisa, uh, Super Mario Brothers, where he's Mario. (laughs) Also, Balto. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, He's I a voice. Balto. He does voice work in Balto. Made in Manhattan, A Christmas Carol, uh, R.I.P. Bob yeah. Hoskins. That uh, was only a few years ago, right? Eight years ago. Oh. He went, it's funny, because he went in April of that year, and Robin Williams went in August. That's right. Of that year, oh. yeah. I know, bless his heart. It was pneumonia. Oh. It was pneumonia. He also had Parkinson's. But guys, no one else could have been Eddie Valiant. Bob Hoskins, there were so many big names that were chosen originally to do this, mm-hmm. and Zemeckis and Spielberg were like, no, no, we like Bob. Yeah. Because of his acting abilities. <laughs> We don't need just a big name here. We need a good actor (laughs) so that people will take this for what it's meant to be. I have the same feelings about him in this movie as I do about Michael Caine in The Muppets Christmas Carol. Like, you're surrounded by Muppets. How can you be so serious? I know, I know. It's perfect. Oh, my God. Moving on with the live-action cast as Judge Doom. Holy fuck. The stuff of our nightmares. He is perched on a cliff right in my frontal lobe. Like, <laughs> we have Christopher Lloyd. Yes. Uh, we know this is Zemeckis. So, yeah. Zemeckis did Back to the Future. Yup. Christopher Lloyd is Doc Brown in Back to the Future. He's also in Anastasia. Yeah, no, he's the voice of Rasputin. Uh, he's Uncle Fester in Adam's Family from the 90s. Uh, Switchblade Sam from Dennis the Menace. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh my god, DuckTales. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was completely involuntary. <laughs> Sorry. I love it. He's also Jim Ignatowski from Taxi. Yeah. You know, with Danny DeVito and yep. Rhea Perlman. <laughs> Oh, my God. Guys, portraying Marvin Acme, whose name famously you see throughout Warner Brothers cartoons. Also, we must do Looney Tunes back in action. Yeah, I knew that was coming up. Where Steve Martin plays Marvin Acme. Oh, my God. We have Stubby K. Stubby K is a famous vaudevillian. Uh, You will know him. Well, you won't, guys. But (laughs) your grandparents will know him as Lil Abner. Yeah. You know, of the famous comic strip and musical show. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) He he originated the role of Nicely Nicely Johnson (gasps) in Guys and Dolls. Brother Nicely Nicely Johnson. And I said to myself, sit down. Sit down, you're rocking the boat. I said to myself, sit down. Sit down, you're rocking the boat. And the devil will drag you under. With a soul so heavy you'd never float Sit down, 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 sit down you're rocking the boat
portraying Dolores, Eddie's uh, bartender wife. She's his girlfriend. Yeah, she's his girlfriend. I love Dolores. We have Joanna Cassidy. You will know her. She is Zora Salome from Blade Runner. Ooh. I know, I know. Fourth Protocol, Where the Heart Is, Vampire in Brooklyn. Oh. She's Margaret Chenoweth from Six Feet Under on HBO, portraying R.K. Maroon, another studio executive. We have Alan Tilvern. He's known for his tough guy roles. Guess what? He's British. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Things your grandparents will know him from are, ooh, Cairo Road, Mm. Tale of Two Cities. Oh, he's also one of the bums in Little Shop of Horrors, so welcome him back (laughs) to kicking and streaming. We love that. All right, guys, moving on to our voice cast. Please welcome to Kicking and Streaming as the voice of Roger Rabbit, Benny the Cab, and Greasy and Psycho, Charles Fleischer. Fun fact, this is actually technically not his first time. Oh, he was with us when we did the Polar Express. He's the elf general. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. I love that. Obviously, Roger Rabbit is Fleischer's biggest known role. (laughs) And we love Roger Rabbit. He's infuriating, <laughs> but he's so entertaining. Yeah. Um, Carrie? What? I'm noticing some similarities between Roger Rabbit and someone very important to you. Oh, no. We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. All right. You it. don't want to talk about it right now? We don't no. want to talk about it right now. We're going to talk about it during the line. <laughs> <laughs> Voicing Roger Rabbit's entertainer wife and tune, we have, as Jessica Rabbit, Kathleen Turner. Guys, this was the beginning of a lot of things for me. I know, I know. <laughs> and we will talk about it, but body heat, crimes of passion, mm-hmm. romancing the stone. Brizzy's honor. Brizzy's honor. <laughs> Monster House. Yes! Yes, Monster House! She's she's the spirit of the house. Yes! She's Constance. <laughs> and guys, she's been on The Simpsons, Family Guy, King of the Hill, Rick and Morty. She's been around. She's got a great voice. <gasps> That's right. She, I think she's the voice of Malibu Stacy, like the human mm-hmm. that Malibu Stacy is based on. She has also been Tony nominated twice. Oh, I bet. For her stage roles in Cat in a Hot Tin Roof and Martha in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Oh, I've never seen a screen actor who belonged in a Tennessee Williams play more. Uh, I know, right? Oh, my God. And Amy Irving provides her singing voice. She's the nice girl from Carrie. I know. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Hi, Amy Irving. Welcome. <laughs> Please welcome him back to Kicking and Streaming, because we've done Space Jam, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which also involves Looney Tunes in live action. We've got Mel Blanc. Legendary voice actor Mel Blanc, who died one year after this. This is his last... This is his last Bugs Bunny appearance. Yeah. But he does Bugs Bunny. He does Daffy Duck. He does Porky Pig. He does Tweety Bird. Yeah. And he does Sylvester the Cat. We've also got Wayne Allwine, who was Mickey Mouse's voice from 79 after after Disney died to 2007. <laughs> We've got Rusi Taylor as Minnie Mouse, mm-hmm. Wayne Allwine's wife. That's so great. I love that Minnie and Mickey were married in real life. We've got Tony Anselmo. He's been Donald Duck since 1985. Bill Farmer. He's been Goofy since 87. Mm-hmm. And Mae Questel, the original Betty Boo. I know, I know. Hi, May. Boop, boop, be doop, boop. I still got it, Eddie. <laughs> Guys, Nancy Cartwright, 
Bart Simpson. Bart Simpson. But the fucked up part about it is she only voices the shoes that get killed. Oh no. <laughs> please, please, no, stop. <laughs> oh. We've got to start talking. We've got to. We've got to. Guys, this is the second highest grossing film of 1988. <laughs> Let's get it. We're in Hollywood, 1947. When all those production company logos come up and like the the bass starts. And the jazz. Oh, I love it so much. And guys, we are propelled into an RK Maroon animated cartoon. Yeah, we begin the narrative at Maroon Cartoon Studios on the set of a cartoon because obviously in this universe tunes are real and cartoons are in fact filmed this is roger rabbit and baby herman in something's cooking to the beauty parlor darling but i'm leaving you with your favorite friend roger he's going to take very very good care of you because if he doesn't he's going back to the science lab Please, don't worry. Whatever you say, yes, ma'am. Aye, aye, sir. Okie dokie. Roger Rabbit as a character is just generally, not trying to make a joke here, loony. Like, yeah. I feel like he's a far less wily Bugs Bunny, and his lot in life is to be as toony as possible and make people laugh. He's got that orange tuft of hair, despite being a white rabbit. He's got the cute big nose, his big floppy ears. He wears red overalls and yellow gloves. However, Roger is causing problems in the studio today. Is he causing problems? Because he can't remember his lines. Like, they're filming the cartoon, and a fridge falls on his head. Uh-huh. He's supposed to see stars. But, but he can't. He's seeing birds instead, and the director is really about to split hairs over this. No, guys, we have that whole sequence where Roger Rabbit is supposed to be saving baby Herman. From all the dangers. Because and- baby Herman is causing havoc in the kitchen, <laughs> trying to get to a cookie jar on top of the refrigerator. Cool. And the scene is really great. It's almost like you forget you're watching a movie. Mm-hmm. But then at the end of it, when Raul yells cut, <laughs> and we realize we're on a set. Yeah. It's not all animated. <laughs> and I'm like, what the, are you really expecting us? Like, <laughs> And what's really disconcerting is this adorable baby that we've been watching putter around for three minutes is actually a 60-year-old crank? What the hell was wrong with that take? Nothing with you, baby Herman. You were great. You were perfect. You were better than perfect. This is Roger. He keeps blowing his lines. Roger. What's this? A tweeting bird. A tweeting bird. Roger, read this. Look what it says. It says, rabbit gets clunk. Rabbit sees stars. Not birds. Stars! So Raul is not very happy. <laughs> Because Roger, for some reason, can't get hit on the head and just sees stars. He's unfocused. He's distracted. When he keeps hitting himself on the head with the frying pan, he goes, (laughs) I can give you stars. Look. And everything but stars is popping up (laughs) around his head every time he hits himself. And we fade away from him into the foreground where private investigator Eddie Valiant is staking out the set. Eddie Valiant is a broke 
alcoholic private investigator with a very strong prejudice against tunes. And don't worry, we'll learn why. It's, like, it's kind of like a Del Spooner and I Robot. He hates the robots. In this has, one, Eddie hates the tunes. And he is our caricature of a grizzled trench coat wearing detective from all the noir films. Mm-hmm. Very Sam Spade, very Humphrey Bogart, the anti-hero of all those old movies. He is here on set today at our, at our Cameroon Pictures to meet with none other than studio executive R.K. Maroon, who has a job for him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this was the part of the movie as a kid I never paid attention to because I didn't care about the intricacies of the plot. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to get to the... This is the part of the film that always made me uncomfortable because R.K. Maroon makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, he does. You know, like, he's just... He's got a he's got a face like he's been taking a shit for 40 years. <laughs> Constantly, you know? How much do you know about show business, Mr. Valiant? Only there's no business like it. No business I know. Yeah, and there's no business more expensive. I'm 25 grand over budget on the latest Baby Herman cartoon. You saw the rabbit blowing his lines. He can't keep his mind in his work. You know why? One too many refrigerators dropped on his head. Ah, he's a tune. You can drop anything you want on his head. He'll shake it off. But break his heart. Goes to pieces just like you and me. RK is concerned that Roger is costing the studio money because he's distracted by the fact that his wife may or may not be playing footsie with CEO and owner of Acme Corporation's Marvin Acme. And Jessica Rabbit, who is not a rabbit. No, nope. we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> she is also a very famous entertainer. Yeah, she's a nightclub singer. Uh-huh. And for the outlandish fee of $100, Eddie is going to follow Jessica Rabbit and take pictures of her fraternizing with Acme so that Roger can get his answer and stop being distracted. Yeah, Maroon just wants Roger to make money. He doesn't care about his relationship. Or like, his feelings. Yeah, no. He So he wants Eddie to get the scoop. Eddie is reluctant to do this job for Maroon because he used to work Toontown as a rule Mm -hmm. back in his golden age private investigating days. But something has happened to where he doesn't want to go back to Toontown anymore. Mm -mm. He doesn't work for Toons anymore, he says. And that's where he demands the outrageous $100 if Maroon really (laughs) wants to get this done. $100 was a lot of money back then. Eddie's so broke, he has to hop a ride on the bumper of the trolley that moves through L.A. The Pacific Electric Company. It's the red car. Mm -hmm. That's what they call it. And Eddie hops off the bumper of this trolley outside the terminal station bar. It's where the red cars get parked, you know? This is where his girlfriend Dolores works, because P.I.s almost always have a gal Friday. I love Dolores. She is tough as nails with a face for the movies. She's got this Maureen O'Hara look to her, but she's a brunette, not a redhead. Mm-hmm. Very late 40s, and all her fits in this movie are to die for. I know. She is she is quintessential late 40s Californian lady. Like this comedically huge glass of whiskey she gives him when he comes into the bar. That it's so hilariously huge. It's like that gif of Betty White drinking the gigantic glass of wine yes she put he's about to take a drink of it and then we see her for the first time (laughs) she puts her hand over it so he can't drink it tomorrow's friday eddie you know what happens here on friday fish special my boss checks the books on friday and if i don't have that money i gave you back in the till i'm gonna lose my job don't bust a button dolores you've only got one left 50 bucks 
Where's the rest? He's telling her about the job and like, don't worry, I'll have the money you loaned me back in the till. Like, yeah, because Maroon only gave him 50, but he'll give him the other 50 to finish the job. Yeah. She, she's looking at the check. Where's the rest? <laughs> <laughs> I love Dolores. I also love that she's taller than him. It's amazing. Here's my thing. Who's a private eye without a camera? Uh, yeah. Because that's the other reason why he's here, right? Is to borrow Dolores' camera so he can go do this job. He probably had to hawk it for drinking money. <laughs> Mine's in the shop. Wouldn't be in a pawn shop any chance, would it? Yeah, no, exactly! <laughs> We're getting the sense that Dolores and Eddie are together, but, like, not right now. Yeah. You know, like, there's been some issues, I think. I don't think Dolores can stand how much he drinks and how much he works. Yeah. You know, like... And then, in walks this knob named Angelo, right? Mm-hmm. He's a handyman, works on cars, something... He's dirty, that's all I know. He's automatically making fun of Eddie because of the way he used to work for Toon. Who's your client this week? Eddie Freddy, a screwy squirrel, you know? <laughs> yeah, and they have a very intense confrontation over this. As soon as Angelo starts making fun of him, Bob Hoskins goes the fuck off. He shoves that hard-boiled egg in his mouth, holds his face, and goes in his ear. Get this straight, Lean Ball. I don't work for tones. <laughs> So what's his problem? Toon killed his brother. What? Huh? Dropped the piano on his head. <laughs> I have it all capital letters! Tell me again this isn't parody! It is very, very serious. <laughs> they are serious. It is the factual <laughs> events of what happened to his brother who used to be in the P.I. business with him. They have their own firm, Valiant and Valiant. And he's recently deceased because he got a piano dropped on his head. You know how they always say, doctor to the stars, detective to the stars, you yeah. know, eyes to the stars. Eyes to the tunes were Valiant and Valiant. Aww. Until a tune, yes, dropped a piano on Teddy Valiant's head. The way you can't not say the word piano the way Natalie Portman does. I, I said piano regular. <laughs> no, you said piano. <laughs> anyway, sorry. This piano was designed by Franklin Roosevelt with the eagle support. Moving on. That night, Eddie sets out on the Snoop job. We're going to the Ink and Paint Club. It's a tune review club, but it's humans only. Like, only humans are allowed to be the patrons. He knocks on the the door in the alley and it slides open. Password, Walt sent me. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) And he goes into this club and Donald Duck and Daffy Duck are up on stage doing this dueling pianos bit. I know, I love it. I've worked with a lot of wisecrackers, but you are despicable. This is the last time I work with someone with a speech impediment. This means war. And by the way, guys, we don't think Donald Duck calls Daffy the N-word. I like he says nitwit, but I'll give it all to you. It doesn't sound that way. Yeah, it sounds like he's calling Daffy Duck the N word instead of a nitwit. I think it's just the Donald Duck accent. Yeah, you know, and they both got pretty quintessential accents. Guys, th- th- this is another one of those scenes 
the animation interacting with the live action. The waiters in this club are the penguins from Mary Poppins. Yes. And like, there's that funny octopus who's the bartender. I don't know what he's from, (laughs) but the way the live action drinks are floating in midair while each one of these bartender octopuses eight arms are flailing them about and making them. They're all on strings and by people with sticks, you know? Yeah, there's a great Corridor Crew uh, video that they talk about this in. I'll link to it in the related media. But this is a stage that has a area underneath it where puppeteers can carry the trays on sticks that are then painted over with the penguins' arms. Mm-hmm. It's so great. And Donald and Daffy's battle, piano battle on stage. <laughs> I've worked with a lot of wisequackers, but you are despicable. <laughs> and so Eddie's looking for somewhere to sit up front at the stage, and we have Marvin Acme. They're ready to watch Jessica Rabbit perform. And he takes this pen and squirts ink on Eddie's shirt. Yeah. And starts just like chuckling. He's way too old to be acting this way. (laughs) What, you think that's funny? Oh, it's a panic. (laughs) You won't think it's funny when I stick that pen up your nose. Now, now, calm down, son, will you? Look, the stain's gone. It's disappearing ink. No hard feelings, I hope. And we see the blotch disappear. (laughs) No hard feelings, I hope. Marvin is here every night. Yeah. Because he obviously has a strong affinity for Roger Rabbit's wife, Jessica Rabbit. Mm -hmm. Which, again, that's still kind of a mystery to the audience. Like, how sexy could the wife of a cartoon rabbit be? Eddie gets sat down. He, he's ready to watch this nightclub act. Eddie hears this voice in it off to the side. Eddie Valiant. And it's Betty Boop, guys. <laughs> Long time no see. Because she's still in black and white, right? Because mm. she was never in color. What's with him? Mr. Acme never misses a night when Jessica performs. Got a thing for rabbits, huh? <laughs> guys, I don't think anybody in America was prepared for who would walk out from behind that curtain. You had plenty money, 1922. You let other women make up. Why don't you do? Guys, we have so many feelings about this. We don't have time. Uh, you think Barbie's got unrealistic proportions? Talk about Jessica Rabbit. I don't know how this woman's upright. Carrie. Uh-huh. Carrie. Uh-huh. When those curtains open, and keep it going, please. Keep the music going. <laughs> I feel, you know how mad I get at you or Gavin? for being attracted to cartoons. That's literally what I have written. I have, I swear to God, this is why my generation sexualizes cartoons. I, how could you not? Her body. Uh Uh-huh. Her dress (laughs) with the sparkly red, her red hair, her blue eyeshadow. The purple glove. Yeah. Yeah. And she's got these men by the balls. She's a cartoon! Yeah, the guys that are standing up and she's pushing their heads back down. (laughs) This is another instance where you really appreciate how seamless it all looks. The tunes interacting with the real world. You know, them animating Eddie's shadows on her and her shadows on him. Ah. It's so seamless. When she's got Eddie by the tie, 
After the number, Eddie is snooping around backstage because he can see Acme waiting to go into Jessica Rabbit's dressing room. Mm-hmm. Eddie's looking through the keyhole to try and get the scoop, but then the big the big ape that let him in throws him out for peeping. <laughs> he gets thrown into the alley, but then Eddie notices the window. There's a window going into Jessica Rabbit's dressing room. So he's going over to the window with this little camera he borrowed from Dolores, and he's going to get pictures of them. What he th- he thinks he's gonna get pictures of them being nasty, right? Oh, Marvin, not tonight. I have a headache. Aww. Oh, but Jessica, you promised. This oh, is... all right, but this time, take off that hand buzzer. <laughs> this is too much, guys, because Eddie starts taking pictures, and it... we don't see the action of what's happening in the room. We just see Eddie taking pictures from the window and becoming more and more horrified. We hear. Marvin going, patty cake, patty cake. Patty cake, patty cake, patty cake, patty cake, patty cake, Roger Rabbit pulling on the blinds of R.K. Maroon's office. Patty cake! Oh, don't say it's not true. Oh, he's devastated. He can't believe it. Not my Jessica. Not Patty cake. This is impossible. I can't believe it. He's going through the pictures. Uh, And it's actually of Marvin Acme and Jessica Rabbit actually playing Patty cake. Not having sex, but playing patty cake, and he's speeding him up, and it's getting faster. It's hilarious. Oh, my God. And so Maroon has obviously upset his star. Yeah. And he gives him a glass of whiskey to calm down. Yeah. And this is where we learn about how alcohol affects Roger, because he he takes a swig of that whiskey, and then he goes ballistic. He changes colors and size, (laughs) and then he just... <laughs> it's like he's a work whistle. Thanks. I needed that. And so, Roger, in an angry state, vows forever that he and Jessica will always be happy and nobody's going to stand between them, right? Yeah. And then he literally makes a Roger-shaped hole in the wall. That's so funny. (laughs) We see Eddie come back to his little headquarters, right? His office. He lives in his office. Yeah. Valiant and valiant. And he comes in, he's taking his coat off, and he's taken down the other pictures he developed from the camera mm-hmm. from their trip to Catalina, him and Dolores. And he's looking through the pictures, and he's loving them. They're on the beach. And then he comes across a picture of him and his brother, Teddy. Oh, yeah. Theodore Valiant. Which all I'm saying is, um, uh, Teddy Valiant... I know. ...was a babe. And, like, we have this, like, little sequence where we pan across to the other side of his desk... Oh! 
to where Teddy's desk is and it's covered in dust. He's got it completely preserved. Yeah, and we start panning around the side of the desk and we see all the pictures of them together, of their lives together as brothers and the newspaper clippings of all the big cases they ever won. With that plaintive trombone playing in the background. And we also see the picture of them as kids because they joined their dad as clowns in the circus. I love the newspaper clipping where he and Teddy obviously solved the kidnapping of Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) And when we get back around to him at his desk, it is morning and he has drank himself to sleep. And Lieutenant Sartino is here. I think it's Santino. Santino? I don't like him. (laughs) The way he slams that empty liquor bottle into the trash can to wake him up. Lieutenant Santino informs Eddie that Roger Rabbit murdered Marvin Acme last night. It's a little soon for assumptions, isn't it, Lieutenant? Gee whiz, Eddie, if you needed money so bad, why didn't you come to me? So I took a couple of dirty pictures, so kill me. I already got a stiff on my hands, thank you. Marvin Acme, the rabbit cacked him last night. We go pulling up to the Acme warehouse, right? Mm -hmm. The Acme warehouse, Acme of course makes Tune products, right? And mm-hmm. the Acme Warehouse butts up against the designated area of Toontown. Yeah, they like share a border. When Yosemite Sam comes propelling out of Toontown into the parking lot. <laughs> Ow! My biscuits are burning! <laughs> we go inside the warehouse. We see this vault has been dropped from a great height onto the remains of what is Marvin Acme's head. Uh, it's very tunish, right? Yeah. And the scene of the crime is being processed. All the other detectives are treating Eddie like a joke because he's a shadow of his former self at this point. <laughs> Jessica Rabbit is on the scene being questioned because she was obviously one of the last people who saw Acme. Mm-hmm. And this is also where we are formally introduced to Judge Doom, who has, despite his obviously creepy vibe, been allowed to be a sitting jurist as of late. Yeah, because when they're taking Acme's body out, that hand buzzer falls off the stretcher, Mm -hmm. and Eddie bends over to pick it up, but Doom stops him. Is this man removing evidence from the scene of a crime? Ah, no, Judge Doom. Uh, Valiant here was just picking it up for you. Weren't you, Eddie? Judge Doom is a caricature of all the shady characters in every noir film. Mm -hmm. They're usually dressed all in black, and they have a very serious and morbid vibe to them. And uh, another thing that's terrifying about Doom is he's got a squad of weasels working for him. Yeah, these toon weasels that answer to him, his own personal little police force. It's like his jurisdiction is over Toontown. Yeah. And so he's responsible for all that madness. Doom is asking Eddie because he is now involved in this whole thing. Yeah. You know, we talked to Mr. Maroon and he said that Roger Rabbit freaked out on you Mm -hmm. right before this murder happened. Which is true. Yes. And Doom also has a thing against tunes in general because they're a threat to law and order. Uh Uh-huh. So Doom has developed a way to actually deal with them. Doom says he will try, convict, and execute Roger Rabbit for this crime. But Toons can't be killed, right? Yeah, no. Toons drop literal pianos on each other and they're fine. Which means it's time to talk about the dip. What's that? Remember how I always thought there wasn't a way to kill a Toon? Well, Doom found a way. Turpentine, acetone, benzene. 
calls it the dip. Guys, it's paint thinner. Yeah, isn't that genius? It is genius! He cracks open that hazardous waste container and oh it's just this green liquid and it looks so bad in the in the process of getting acme's body on the stretcher we knocked over a thing of dune shoes we thought we got them all in we didn't oh no there's one cooing by doom's foot he picks it up puts on this long glove and demonstrates how to kill a tune is this not a crime in and of itself oh no yeah this seems awfully extrajudicial what is the legal status of tunes? Are they people or not? That's what I was saying at the beginning. I don't think, I think they're second class citizens because yeah. how else is he allowed to do this? This this shoe is sentient. It has feelings like and he, uh, the noises Carrie, you have to play them the audio. Oh. I'll catch the rabbit, Mr. Valiant. Then I'll try him, convict him and execute him. <laughs> goes back to his office and baby Herman, Roger's co-star, is waiting for him outside. With his nanny sitting in a stroller (laughs) with a stogie. (laughs) She's lighting a stogie for him. I've been trying to get him to quit, but he just won't listen to me. (laughs) Herman is here to tell Eddie that Roger's no moitera. I've worked with him forever. He's a good friend of mine. The real culprit of this murder obviously has a vested interest in Toontown as a bit of real estate, right? Yes. The paper said Acme left no will. That's a lot of succotash. Every Toon knows Acme had a will. He promised to leave Toontown to us Toons. That will is the reason he got pumped off. Has anybody ever seen this will? I know, but he gave us his solemn oath. And at first, Eddie thinks it's BS. He blows Herman off, and he goes back into his office and starts looking at the photographs he took of Jessica Rabbit and Marvin Acme. Mm-hmm. And he gets out his magnifying glass, and he's looking at the picture, and you can see it. You can see the will in the picture sticking out of Marvin Acme's you pocket. You literally can see it says last will and testament. <laughs> But he's not going to deal with it. He's like, baby was right. Yeah. And he's like, ah, the hell with it. I'm not getting involved. So he pulls down the Murphy bed. What is waiting for him in the bed? Or who, Carrie? It's Roger. Yeah. Roger's been running from the law all night long. I thought it would be best if I waited inside, seeing as how I wanted for murder. (laughs) Please, Eddie. Don't tell me how you're making a big mistake. I didn't kill anybody. I swear. This whole thing's a setup. A scam. A frame job. Out. I could never hurt anybody. Ow! My whole purpose in life is to make people live! I just love that Roger also found out where he was because the liquor store guy knew where he lived. Yeah. So basically, he asked everyone in town, and now everyone knows where Roger Rabbit is. (laughs) And he came to Eddie because, like we've said, Valiant and Valiant used to be the place to go when a tune was in trouble, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Roger is insisting he did not kill anyone. And he, he's not even mad at Jessica. He pulls this love note he's written out on this blank piece of paper he found. and In her dressing room. Yeah, and he starts to read it. And Eddie's saying, look. I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to help you. I don't do tunes anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, last time I was just working for some idiot who runs a studio, but now you're a tune and I'm not going to help you. And so in an effort to force Eddie to help him, Roger 
handcuffs himself to Eddie's wrist. Eddie Valiant, you're under arrest. Cheer! Hey. Idiot. I got no keys for these cuffs. Huh? And then the sirens. The weasels have arrived to get Roger out of Valiance. Yeah, oh my god. They're all pouring out onto the sidewalk, and now we have a physical comedy of errors, right? <laughs> when he jumps into his desk drawer to hide. <laughs> Remember, you never saw me. Get out of there! <laughs> He's so angry. One of the best parts about this film is Valiance rage at Roger. Yeah. <laughs> we feel it. We feel it. And this is also a highly technical scene, because now that Roger is handcuffed to him, there's a lot of interaction. Yeah. And the weasels are holding guns and moving furniture around. There's all these guns on wires that have been painted over. And the weasels literally shoot their way in and hold Eddie at gunpoint while he's just calmly washing the dishes. Yeah, no, he's keeping Roger's head underwater in the sink <laughs> because he's a toon, and toons are essentially liquid. Yeah. <laughs> And the comedy of him trying to keep Roger under the dishwater while the weasels interrogate him. Look, Valiant, we got a reliable tip-off. The rabbit was here and was corrugated by several others. Forget the bullshit. You keep talking like that and I'm gonna have to wash your mouth out. (laughs) He sticks this bar of soap in the weasel's mouth and the other weasels start laughing. Yeah, and Chief Weasel doesn't like it. Yeah, he's like, "You one of these days you're gonna die laughing. And we will see why that is important later. (laughs) So then, Valiant takes Roger, hidden underneath his coat, into the bar, right? Yeah, because he he needs to get out of these cuffs and he needs to borrow a hacksaw. Which is in the bar for some reason. Dolores takes Eddie and Roger back into what I guess used to be known as a rock gut room. Yeah, from Prohibition. One of those secret rooms that you hid all the liquor in when the man came to visit. And now it's a storeroom. Yeah. And there's like a spy hole in the wall where you could see the rest of the bar. And the shot that I always think about is the one where they're coming in to the rock gut room because there's a lamp on a chain Mm -hmm. and they bump into it and they manage to get the shadows and everything just right. Even with this lamp swinging back and forth. Like, it's so nuts. It's like they're showing off. I know, right? You know? That actually, that's a thing now in animation and special effects. It's called bumping the lamp. Yeah. When you go the extra mile to make an effect just a little more special. Oh, it's great. He's sitting down, hacking away at this handcuff (laughs) with this saw, and he's like, hold still. And Roger nonchalantly slips his hand out of his cuff and holds the box still. Does this help? Yeah, thanks. He slams that saw down. Roger slips his hand back in the cuff. Do you mean to tell me that you could have taken your hand out of that cuff at any time? No, not at any time. Only when it was funny. I love it when he does this little trill and (laughs) runs away as if to say like, ah, you can't hurt me. I'm just fun and fancy free. Like, and Eddie starts monologuing to Dolores uh, about his working theory about this Acme murder, right? Mm -hmm. He thinks whoever murdered Acme was trying to get to the will 
But by the time they killed him, the will had disappeared. Mm-hmm. And Eddie's primary suspect is R.K. Maroon because he definitely has a stake in wanting to own major Toon real estate. Like, yes. Toons are his livelihood. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, and also, like you said, R.K. is just a generally creepy character. And so Eddie leaves Roger in the rock gut room at the bar while he goes back to the apartment or the office or whatever. And Jessica Rabbit is here. Mr. Valiant. (laughs) Mr. Valiant. She's looking for her husband. And listen, there's a dame like this in every noir film Mm -hmm. who is just too good looking for her own good and is often the target of a lot of misogyny and misunderstanding. Sometimes she's a femme fatale. Sometimes she's just a gal who got caught up in some nasty business. It depends on which way the movie's going. He comes out of his bathroom. (laughs) I'm sorry, furry little Bob Hoskins. Stop! This kind (laughs) of does something to me. How can you pay attention to anything else in the scene with her standing in it? You gotta have the rabbits to make the scam work. No, 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 I love my husband. You've got me all wrong. You don't know how hard it is being a woman looking the way I do. Yeah, well, you don't know how hard it is being a man looking at a woman looking the way you do. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. What's really funny to me about that is that Bob Hoskins had no idea what she was going to look like. I know. And so that just elevates the acting for me even more. Like, he had no idea what an absolute bombshell she would look like, and he's still transfixed by her. He goes, weren't you the one I caught playing patty cake with old man Acme? And she goes, you didn't catch me. You were set up to take those pictures. Yeah, RK forced Jessica to pose for these pictures because... R.K. wanted to blackmail Marvin Acme, and he threatened that Roger would never work in this town again unless she did it. She's really just a devoted wife, guys. When she's walking towards him, I can't let that happen. I'd do anything to help my husband, Mr. Valiant. And when she goes, anything, she bumps her huge breasts against him. He goes, what a wife. And we see the shot of his pants fall down, and he's holding her hands out to back her away from him. Dolores is in the doorway. I'm desperate, Mr. Valiance. Can't you see how much I need you? Dablin and watercolors, Eddie? (laughs) Sorry. I love the writing in this film. He bends down to pick up his pants, and when he brings his head up, he knocks them into her bonkers. Sorry. Her bazongas? It's the it's the big inflatable ball noise they make when he hits them. <laughs> oh my god. And so she's like, call me and leaves. <laughs> and Dolores is upset. Wow. You wanna tell me what she was doing with her arms around you? The fact that she is actually threatened. I know. By this cartoon. <laughs> Listen, I get it. She's one of the most attractive, you know, animated things that's ever existed. But Dolores, come on. Like, and he's chasing her out of the apartment, right? She's furious. And she's, and he's like, Come on, listen, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go back to Catalina. That'll fix all of our problems. (laughs) And she's like, okay, well, disregard what I came here to tell you because she went to stop by the probate office, right? Yeah, she was actually making herself useful. Yeah. And she learned at the probate office that R.K. Maroon wasn't the one putting in bids for Toontown. It was actually 
Cloverleaf Industries, the company that just bought the red car line. Yeah, Pacific Electric. Yeah, Yeah, and like, it seems like it's really unrelated to everything else that's going on, right? Mm -hmm. And unless Mr. Acme's will shows up by midnight tonight, Cloverleaf is going to own Toontown. What? At midnight tonight? That's right. First they buy the red car, then they want to get their hands on Toontown. I don't get it. Roger. We can hear the carousel music (laughs) coming out of the bar. Oh, man. And you guessed it. Roger has broken cover and is now dancing on the bar. For all of the bums. Entertaining the patrons. This merry-go-round broke down tune. Yes. It is the Looney Tunes theme. It's just a little sped up, but in places, yeah. It <laughs> You're so right. I never noticed that. When the record starts skipping and he's breaking the plates <laughs> over his head, Dolores like, no! This is my stuff! Like, <laughs> I love to make the pain. Believe me, it's no strain. But it feels so great to touch a plate and look to me. No pain. No pain. No pain. No pain. Eddie takes him, throws him into the rock gut room, and he he's like, do you understand that you are wanted for murder? You crazy rabbit! <laughs> and, but, like, Roger can't help himself. He's his like, only I'm... lot in life is to make, make people, people laugh. laugh. Yeah. Like, it's what makes him the happiest. He was trying to cheer up Angelo. Yeah. You know, the, the hothead that was making fun of Eddie. <laughs> that guy Angelo would rat on you for a nickel. Not Angelo. He'd never turn me in. Why? Because you made him laugh. That's right. Our laugh can be a very powerful thing. Why, sometimes in life, it's the only weapon we have. Laughter is the most... And then we see this red light on the wall flashing, Uh which is, you know, in Prohibition times, they would flash that light from the bar when the fuzz showed up. Yeah. So that you knew to go out the back. like. And, like, the weasels come into the bar with Judge Doom. I'm looking for a murderer. Ooh, he's so creepy. I know. I Ooh, I cannot. <laughs> Doom's pretty confident Roger is here, so he starts using this tactic to suss him out. There's no tune that can resist the good old shaving a haircut trick. Which, guys, you know shaving a haircut. Shaving a haircut. Two bits. This is just like in SpongeBob when they use the Goofy Goober record to like Yeah, to suss out the bubble blowing baby. Yeah. Because Roger, like, is in the <laughs> rock gut room, vibrating. And he is just fucking collapsing inside. His ears are twisted up. He's shaking. <laughs> Roger. And he bursts through the wall of the rock gut room. And Doom snaps him up and is ready to execute him right there in the bar. No trial, no conviction. Yeah! Bring me some dip. And so I guess Toons aren't protected by the Constitution. But Doom is going to allow him a last request, right? Yeah, because Eddie's like, doesn't a dying rabbit deserve a last drink? And the way Doom's like, okay, why not? And I'm like, come on, Doom, you're smarter than this. (laughs) Because we know how Roger reacts to alcohol, right? (laughs) And in order to get Roger to drink it, 
He literally uses the bit from the Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Elmer Fudd cartoon. <laughs> you do. I don't. You do. I don't. You do. I don't. You do. I don't. You don't. I do. You don't. I do. You don't. Listen, when I say I do, that means I do. And guys... It happens the same way it happened last time. He goes nuts and starts causing chaos in the bar. Eddie's fighting off all the weasels. And that's the thing. This is another hugely technical scene because they're throwing the furniture around. And I've seen this non-edited footage, just Bob Hoskins and all this furniture jumping away from him on wires. <laughs> they, they go out of the bar, right? And they get into the weasel's car. And one of Roger's old friends, they realize, is in the back of the car. He's already been detained earlier, and he's still in the back of the paddy wagon. Daddy, is that you? (laughs) (laughs) And guys, they open the back of the paddy wagon, and it's a cartoon taxi. Yeah. Ah, that's better. I can't believe they locked me up for driving on a sidewalk. Come on, Eddie, get in. It was just a couple of miles. (laughs) <laughs> and that's how they start to get away. The oh. weasels pursue them on this huge chase through L.A. after Benny the taxi. I love the horror because Bob Hoskins is driving and I love the horror on his face because how this is achieved is he's basically on a little go-kart. Yeah. With a stunt driver sitting behind him and below him. Not really able to see where he's going. Yeah. I would be terrified. The whole scene with the chase through the alley and the <laughs> cops and the weasels crashing into each other. Benny, Eddie, we got company. Will you look at these two? Excuse me, lady. <laughs> now that's what I call a couple of road hogs. <laughs> I'm going to blow his head off. Benny, look out to the gate. <laughs> They evade the cops, and Benny suggests that they go hide out in the movie theater to lay low while Dolores can get all of Eddie's shit together and they can run. Yeah. Because now Eddie's a wanted man, too. What's playing in the movie theater? It's a it's a goofy cartoon. It's the one where he's working out. Yes. And there's all kinds of shenanigans with the exercise equipment. And as far as as far as colleagues go, Goofy is Roger's favorite. Yeah, Roger is sitting there giggling like an idiot while Eddie formulates this getaway plan. And this is where we finally get the answer to why Eddie has no sense of humor, right? Or at least Roger gets the answer. Well, Roger's like, you know, you're such a fucking sourpuss. Like, <laughs> there's nothing I can do to get you to laugh. Boy, nothing. What could have possibly happened to you to turn you into such a sourpuss? You want to know? I'll tell you. A toon killed my brother. A toon? No. He and his brother, Teddy, were investigating a robbery of the bank of Toontown, right? Mm -hmm. And they were chasing this guy who got away with a zillion simoleons. Is that the Toontown currency? I don't know. It must be. And so they chased him into this bar. I think Eddie calls it a dive, but I've never heard a a dive be anything but a bar. Yeah. And the suspect dropped a piano on both of them. Dropped the piano on us from 15 stories. Broke my arm. Teddy never made it. I never did find out who that guy was. All I remember was him standing over me laughing with those burning red eyes. 
in that high squeaky voice. And Roger is crying. <laughs> you do hate me. If I do kill my brother, I hate me too. He's so funny. I love it. And so Dolores arrives to tell them that she's packed up Eddie's things. Her so- costume changes are quick and magnificent. Oh, I love them so much. <laughs> and like, they're getting ready to leave, and this newsreel is playing on the screen, because that happened back then. They, they played newsreels in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. And this newsreel is announcing that R.K. Maroon just bought a humongous share in the Cloverleaf Company, the one that bought the red car and wants to get Toontown, right? Mm-hmm. Here, R.K. Maroon has seen pinching the needle with Cloverleaf's bankers and execs in one of the biggest real estate deals ever in California history. That's it. That's the connection. So now Eddie thinks he can prove that Maroon set Acme up to be killed so he could inherit Toontown by letter of the law. But, like, why? Like, there's not really a clear answer to this. Yeah, but he's thinking, R.K. Maroon is the one that invited me into this situation. Yeah. So, why not? So, Roger and Eddie go back to R.K. Maroon Studios to confront Maroon about it. (laughs) Eddie makes Roger stay in the car. Yeah. Where he is promptly hit on the head with a frying pan by Jessica. Yeah, I know, his own wife. And she stuffs him into the trunk of her car. It really makes it look like she's part of this, right? Yeah. And so Eddie confronts Maroon in his office. He's led R.K. to believe that he's got Acme's will, but it's not. It's that stupid love note that Roger wrote to Jessica. Mm -hmm. And he starts interrogating Maroon by putting his tie into the editing machine so it will start to choke him out. It's taking in his tie like it's a roll of film. (laughs) Like, stop it, stop it, stop it. The truth is I had a chance to sell my studio, but Cloverleaf wouldn't buy my property unless Acme sold him his. The stubborn bastard wouldn't sell, so I was going to blackmail Acme with pictures of him and the rabbit's wife. Blackmail, that's all. This long gun starts poking through the blinds and into the room and shoots Maroon dead. I've been around Toos all my life. I didn't want to see him destroyed. Toos destroyed? Why? If I tell you I'm a dead man. You're a dead man if you don't tell me. Unless Act Miss Will shows by midnight tonight, Toontown's gonna be left with a free... So obviously... There's more to this. Yes. Uh, Maroon was not behind this at all. And it really looks like Jessica is fleeing the scene. Yeah, because he goes to the window and sees Jessica running down the lot. (laughs) Definitely looks like she just murdered him. And he comes downstairs and sees Jessica Rabbit in her car zooming away. And Roger's nowhere to be found, so he gets in his own car and chases after her. And her car disappears into this tunnel. Next to this big sign that says, Toontown, this way. And Eddie hasn't been in Toontown for a long time. It's like his mind won't let him drive down the tunnel after her. Like he stops short. And he's in the middle of this emotional crisis and goes to the trunk and pulls out his old firearm. It's a tune gun. That's full of talking bullets. And when he lifts the cover on the bullets and they're all sleeping, <laughs> like they're old, like they're old, old Western, you know, <laughs> caricatures. They're what you Sam here. Daddy Valiant. Well, you're a sight for sore. I ain't seen you deny on to five years. Where you been? 
drunk. You feeling frisky tonight, fellas? Yeah! <laughs> Let's go. And the way he just goes, Let's go. And flips the revolver open and they all jump in one after another. They're they're giddy. They're giddy. They haven't seen action in years. He pulls a full wild turkey bottle out of his out of his pocket. All right. Takes the cork off with his teeth, and just as he's about to drink it, he's like, No. And he pours it all out. It's so dramatic. He throws that empty bottle in the air, shoots it with the Native American bullet. (laughs) Oh, no. Who promptly busts it with a big animated tomahawk. Because that's the thing. It's not like these bullets just pierce things. They have their own implements of fighting. And then he goes zooming into the tunnel. Guys, this music. Oh, yeah. Because this is the moment I was waiting for as a kid, right? Yeah. I had to see what Toontown looked like. And there's literally, at the end of that tunnel... A big Big red red curtain curtain that parts, and now he's in Toontown, and it's just as obnoxious as you would assume. (laughs) I guess we're in the rural area you're in before you get to the city. (laughs) And guys, it's a big number. Everything is singing. (laughs) Everything. Everything. The trees to the birds to the very ground they drive on. (laughs) Smile, Darnia, smile. He's already so annoyed. He hates it here. (laughs) Yeah. He's not been here in quite some time. And when he gets through all of that, the the hummingbirds. Hi, Eddie. Like they remember him. Yeah. Hi, Eddie. And he crashes into the back of Jessica Rabbit's car, which has in turn crashed into a huge fallen over pile of Acme products. (laughs) And now he's the minority in this movie. Like the tunes were in his world before. Now he's in their world. I love all the side-by-side special effects shots that I sent you in that video where it's just Bob Hoskins. On a blue screen, yeah. This big blue expanse acting with nothing. He thinks he's tailing Jessica to the top floor of this apartment building. He sees what looks like her silhouette in the window. He gets out of the elevator Carrie. and- Carrie. Uh, hold on. Carrie. Let me get there. It's so upsetting. He opens the door to this apartment and again, <laughs> it really looks like Jessica, right? Gotcha. It's not Jessica at all, guys. It's this character called Lena Hyena. It's like she's looking back at us around the hair, and then we realize it's not her. Amaya! So comedically ugly. <laughs> and she's running at him like with her extended kissy lips like a weapon. She is like really into men, I guess. <laughs> and he slams the door. Her lips bust through the wood of the door <laughs> and break it down. He escapes into what he thinks is a bathroom. Yahoo, lover boy. It's Lena Hyena. <laughs> and he turns around into the bathroom. It is, in fact, a scooped-away part of the building. He's standing in the middle of thin air. How very wily e. Coyote. He looks down. Ah! Oh, no. Ah! 
so he's free falling through air. He catches on a flagpole line just in time, and who walks out on it but Tweety? And this is another famous bit of Tweety's. <laughs> oh, look, pities. <laughs> Hi, Tweety. This widow pity went to market. This widow pity stayed home. No. This widow pity had roast beef. And this widow pity had. <laughs> Uh-oh, we're out of pities. <laughs> <And> <laughs> now he's falling through air, and then skydiving alongside of him are Disney's Mickey Mouse and Warner Brothers' Bugs Bunny. <laughs> What's up, Doc? Jumping without a parachute? Kinda dangerous, ain't it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, you could get killed, huh? You guys got a spare? Uh, Bugs does. Yeah? Yeah, but I don't think you want it. I do, I do. Give it to me. Gee, uh, better let him have it, Bugs. Okay, Doc. Whatever you say, here's the spare. Thank you. He literally pulls a spare out of his ass. <laughs> and he gives it to Eddie. Bugs is they, such an asshole! They trigger their parachutes, and then when he pulls his, it is not a spare parachute. It is a spare acne tire. <laughs> Just his face. Oh, no! <laughs> As if to go, I should have expected this. Yeah, I know. And so he is saved at the at the surface level of the road when Lena Hyena catches him. My man! She gives him the biggest smooch, which sends him rolling down the street. <laughs> and Carrie? Yeah? This is in my fucking nightmares. <laughs> this the sound bite? The shot of him looking up towards <laughs> down the street and the pitter-patter of the feet. Come to Lena! coming closer and closer to you. I'm freaking out. And so what Eddie does is he takes the dividing line of the street, the painted dividing line of the street, tears it up like tape, and then redirects it into a brick wall right next to him. And she she falls for it. She runs right into the brick wall. And I love, it's my favorite line in the movie. Tunes gets them every time. It's interesting. We're seeing Eddie kind of re-embrace his own toony instincts. Oh, no, he knows how to work Toontown. Yeah. Like, he knows. And so he goes down this alley with that cartoon gun drawn, and there's Jessica behind him in the alley. You think she's going to kill him, right? Valiant. Oh, this is such a femme fatale <laughs> moment yeah. where she raises that gun. Valiant. I always knew I'd get it in Toontown. Behind you! Drop it, lady! I just saved your life and you still don't trust me? I don't trust anybody or anything. Not even your own eyes? That's the gun that killed R.K. Maroon. And Doom pulled the trigger. Doom? I mean, of course, right? I mean, how did nobody see this coming? He was so toony from the start, just in his own right. Like, he's been behind it this whole time. And Jessica realizes that Roger has escaped from the trunk of her car. Oh, no. Where's Roger? <laughs> Roger? He chickened out on me back at the studio. No, he didn't. I, I hit him on the head with a frying pan and put him in the trunk, trunk so we wouldn't get hurt. Makes perfect, perfect sense. sense. Well, we're obviously not going anywhere in my car. Let's take yours. 
It looks like someone already did. And we see this devastation scene. <laughs> Roger has obviously stolen Eddie's car and taken off with it. Now the weasels are arriving on the scene. Mm-hmm. And Eddie just sticks out his thumb. And there's Benny the cab. Yeah, Benny the cab. <laughs> Somebody call for a lift? Hubba, hubba, hubba. Then. His headlights trained on Jessica as she's going around the car. And so he's taking them away from the scene. He's going to take them back to the real world. Mm-hmm. And Jessica is info dumping in the cab about how she's known all along that it was Doom, right? So how long have you known it was Doom? Before poor Marvin Acme was killed, he confided in me that Doom wanted to get his hands on Toontown, and he wouldn't stop at anything. So he gave you the will for safekeeping? That's what he told me, except when I opened the envelope, there was only a blank piece of paper inside. Eh, the joker to the end. So where to already? My meat is running. I have to find my darling husband. I'm so worried about him. Seriously, what are you seeing, that guy? He makes me laugh. I relate to that <laughs> so hard. I know. It's because Gavin is Roger. Yeah, no. Yeah. This is why I love Gavin so much. <laughs> because I can be, in my own right, such a jaded, humorless person. <laughs> and he makes me laugh in this horrible world. I know. And that's very valuable <laughs> to me. And Eddie's like, you're so hot. <laughs> why are you with Roger Rabbit? <laughs> he makes me laugh. <laughs> Doom is waiting at the mouth of the tunnel with a full can of dip which he spills onto the roadway and then it burns the wheels of Benny when they come racing out. And they crash into a light pole and this is how Judge Doom and the weasels kidnap Eddie and Jessica. Mm -hmm. They take them to the Acme factory, the warehouse where all this nonsense started and they're searching them for the will. Neither Eddie nor uh, Jessica have it on them. When weasels reaches into her breasts to look for it. <laughs> oh, no. Don't mind if I do. Aww. And there's a bear trap in there. <laughs> I'll handle this one. Nice booby trap. That's a great <laughs> joke. I love that so much. They don't find the will, right? They just find Roger's stupid little love letter. And it really doesn't matter because there's only 15 minutes left on the clock until Toontown will legally belong to Doom because he's the major stockholder in Cloverleaf Industries. So guys, you guessed it. The real villain at the end of all of this is capitalism. (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) Can you guess what this is? That's right, my dear! Enough to dip Toontown off the face of the earth! Doom is buying Toontown so he can wipe it off the map with this special vehicle he's designed with a 5,000-gallon tank of dip and a pressurized water cannon. He's literally going to power wash Toontown off the map. And the thing that really just kind of bums me out 
about this whole thing is it's not like there's some grand, you know, plan to erase tunes from existence because he hates them or anything. It's because he wants the real estate of Toontown so he can build a freeway over it. I w- this is again where I say I took this so seriously as a uh-huh, child. Yeah. His grand evil plan. And watching it this time, I'm listening to him divulge his evil scheme. And it's so laughable. Yeah, because this was a new concept at the time. Yeah, I know. There weren't anything like freeways in the United States but yet. The, but he's talking about how he's seen these plans that the government wants to do, building interstates all over the country, which eventually would happen in the 1950s and 60s. He's going to kill all these tunes just so he can play a role in, you know, paving the way to progress? Soon. Where Toontown once stood will be a string of gas stations, inexpensive motels, restaurants that serve rapidly prepared food, tire salons, automobile dealerships, and wonderful, wonderful billboards reaching as far as the eye can see. My God, it'll be beautiful. But the thing is, is that he bought the red car so he could dismantle the red car and take away that alternative transportation option. And I'm like, wow, he really is playing capitalism to win. Yeah, literally. Like, this is awful. At the expense of world-renowned and loved tune creatures. How evil! I know, I know. And like, guys, there's this little hole they've dug in the wall where it says keep clear because Toontown is right on the other side of that wall. And they're literally going to drive this vehicle through the wall and take them by surprise. Like, exterminate the whole area. This is genocide! This is genocide! Meanwhile, Roger has found Benny. (laughs) He beat up Eddie's car so bad! (laughs) And the way this taxi decides Roger is not driving, (laughs) and this car gets in this car and begins to drive it away. (laughs) And they go straight to the Acme factory. And this is where Roger interrupts the info dump, pointing a gun. Like, Roger, sweetheart. Come on. Dr. Doom, give me another excuse to pump you full of lead. You thought you could get away with it, didn't you? Ha! We tunes may act idiotic, but we're not stupid. We demand justice. Why, the real meaning of the word probably hits you like a ton of bricks. (laughs) Roger! But the weasels dump a pile of bricks on his head. Like, Roger's superhero moment did not last he very long. He completely set up the gag. I know. <laughs> and then when he pops up out of it, Roger, darling, look, stars! <laughs> Ready when you are, Raul. <laughs> so they tie Jessica and Roger up so they can be dipped by the pressurized dip gun, right? They're going to be the first victims of the Toontown genocide. Oh, no. And Time the- to kill the Oh, I hate that. (laughs) So the head weasel is holding Eddie at gunpoint. And they're about to turn this vehicle on. And, like, Doom slips on a bunch of ping pong balls that have gone skittering all over the floor. And it's a comedic pratfall, right? Mm -hmm. So all the weasels start losing their minds. One of these days, you idiots are gonna laugh yourselves to death! Eddie gets an idea. In order to beat them at their own game, he's really going to have to access 
his long abandoned toony side, right? He goes over to this big Acme one man band machine. Yeah, the weasel's backing him into it with the gun. And he turns on the same tune that Roger was playing in the bar. Merry go round broke down. Yeah. And starts improvising. I just uh, want you to know something about the guy you're gonna get. <laughs> Now, Roger is his name. Laughter is his game. Come on, you dope. Untie his rope and watch him go insane. The way he's doing backflips and intentionally hurting himself to get these weasels to laugh. He's doing all these slapstick antics. He's playing with the acne things that are laying around in the warehouse, stepping on brooms, juggling weights, slipping on banana peels. The pogo stick shenanigans! (laughs) Yeah! literally start dying. They are literally one by one laughing themselves to death. Their little souls (laughs) are leaving their body and floating upward. Quick, get the soul! (laughs) Get the soul! (laughs) Get the soul! (laughs) When the weasel in the green zoot suit dies, he's behind the wheel of this vehicle, right? Yeah. He takes his foot off the brake and the dip vehicle starts heading towards the wall, right? It's not good. And that's when this pressurized gun starts spraying dip everywhere. He's trying to turn the vehicle off, but this is where Doom literally ziplines towards him Mm -hmm. and knocks him on the floor. He produces a sword from his cane. Yeah, I know. And then he's being backed up into all these boxes and... Valiant sees a box that says, Singing Sword. (laughs) He pulls it out. (laughs) Wicked witchcraft And although I know it's strictly taboo And it's Frank Sinatra singing (laughs) witchcraft. (laughs) Wicked witchcraft So Eddie retaliates by pulling out this giant acme magnet so he can disarm Doom, pull the sword out of his hands. But no, he just pulls Doom's whole being towards him. <laughs> and I'd I'd back up too if he was sliding towards me. And he drops this magnet and magnetizes himself to this metal barrel. So he's stuck. <laughs> Don't move. So Doom then goes and gets behind the wheel of a steamroller yeah. and is preparing to flatten Eddie. It's really perilous. The only way, Eddie, the only reason Eddie gets out of this is because you know those black holes they're always throwing up against the wall. In, in Toontown Online, it's how you could travel between planes. <laughs> yeah. You just throw a black hole on the ground and jump into it. So he uses it to make part of the magnet disappear and get out right before the steamroller rolls over him. And in the process, they've punched a hole in this can of Acme glue. Yeah, because they're fighting over it, yeah. And Doom, through the fight choreography, gets his hand all gluey and then gets stuck 
to the front of the steamroller. With Eddie av- with Eddie avoiding him and all of his punches. Guys, listen to me. <sighs> listen to me. <sighs> this is the most disturbing sequence in the film. <laughs> and it fucked me up as a child. <laughs> because... Doom gets literally steamrolled. His entire body flattened. The way he is... Yelling, freaking out, and I would be freaking out too if I was being flattened by a steamroller. Because, like, I remember as a kid thinking, "Oh my God, what are we about to see?" When it rolls over his face, I'm like, "Uh, uh, uh, uh." And then that steamroller keeps going, and we see that Doom is not dead. He's a tune, guys! His flattened form is getting up off of the ground. Peeling himself off the concrete. Holy smoke, he's a tune! Surprised? Not really. That lame brain freeway idea could only be cooked up by a tune. Not just a tune! He goes over to this can of helium and starts to literally reinflate himself. And then when we see the two eyes pop out (gasps) and fall on the floor, and then he turns around. Ah, He's got these big red daggery eyes. Remember me, Eddie? When I killed your brother, I talked. Yes! The look on Bob Hoskins' face is the look that will be in my mind until the end of time. (laughs) I'd be afraid, too. This is the tune that killed his brother. And he starts running away. Judge Doom has springy shoes. (laughs) The way he's flying through the air with the rolling eyes. Oh, it's so scary. It's so fucking scary. Because now that he's been outed, he can pull out the big guns. All of his tune abilities, like the knives for eyes. And turning his hand into a golden anvil or a golden saw blade. And like, oh, he's coming at Eddie with this buzzsaw hand. And Eddie picks up that cartoon hammer. That mallet, yeah, that throws out the punching, the the punching, uh, sorry, the boxing glove. (laughs) The punching glove. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, he uses it to push the release on the uh, spigot that is holding all of the dip inside the tank. Yeah, it flies right past Doom and into the machine and turns on the valve. And all of that dip comes flying out of the machine and directly at Doom. It starts making him melt. I'm melting! Melting! Oh, I hate it, because it's big body horror, right? Yeah, and he's... Oh, what a world! What a world! so glad he's dead. Oh, I know. Those five minutes are the worst for me. <laughs> and But even though 
though he's removed all the dip from the vehicle, it's still all over the floor. Yeah, and there's really no way to stop it. So he, so the vehicle just busts through that warehouse wall into Toontown, and all of the tunes come pouring in. Oh, that train that knocks it off the tracks before <laughs> it can get any further into Toontown. So it's not a problem anymore. <laughs> so he breaks open all the fire hydrants to wash all the dip off the floor, so he can lower Jessica and Roger to the ground. Yeah, he gets them off the hook. And this is also what? No, it's just the way that Jessica, when he pulls her down, goes, My hero. Oh, come here, little honey bunny. And pushes Eddie out of the way. (laughs) Like Roger did something. (laughs) Roger was tied up with you too, man. (laughs) And this is also where... Benny and the cops finally show up. And yeah. I just, I think about this line once a week. Sister Mary Francis, what the hell happened in here? I've been a kid for 37 years, and I've never seen a mess like this. Sister Mary Francis, what, <laughs> what the, the hell, hell happened, happened in here? here? <laughs> I've been a cab for 37 years. And Here's I'm... my thing. <laughs> that would have been 1910. Uh-huh. There weren't really cabs. Yeah, yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but there's one question left to answer in this whole caper. What happened... To Marvin Acme's will. Yeah, all these tunes come pouring in and they're like, ah, we knew Doom killed Acme. If only people would listen to tunes, you know? And this is where Dolores notices the big blue ink stain on Eddie's shirt. Remember from where Acme squirted him with the fountain pen? Yeah, and then Roger's like, here's your answer, Eddie. Acme's disappearing, reappearing ink. What is the purpose of this? Well, because this is where Eddie figures it out, right? He pulls that love note out of his pocket and asks Roger to read it out loud one more time. (laughs) Dear Jessica, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love Acme, a star mind and body. It's the real! Do we hereby bequeath in perpetuity the property known as Toontown to those lovable characters, the (laughs) Toons? Guys, the Toons are gonna keep Toontown! And everybody's so happy. They don't have to worry about being exterminated anymore. Yeah, I know. And like, I just, and like, Eddie's not gonna be a sour puss anymore. He leans in to kiss Dolores, and Roger grabs him away. That was a pretty funny dance you did for the weasels. Do you think your days of being a sour puss are over? Only time will tell. Yeah, well, put it there, pal. Eddie looks like he's about to blow a gasket. <laughs> all the cartoon char- the cartoon, all the cartoon characters gasp like, "Uh-oh, someone's going to get mad." <laughs> Don't tell me you lost your sense of humor already. He grabs Roger by the neck. <laughs> Does this answer your question? <laughs> Come on, Roger, let's go home. I'll bake you a carrot cake. Oh my god. What a 
goofy end to a really wild movie. And they're walking with the tunes through the big hole in the wall <laughs> out into Toontown. You think Eddie and uh, Dolores will move to Toontown? Uh, maybe. Do you think you have to be a tune to reside in Toontown? I don't think so. Because we only saw, the only live action people we saw in Toontown were the humans, so I, I don't know. I don't know. I hope they move there. I, I, I don't know, but I hope they have a just a nice life in Toontown. Maybe Dolores can tend bar and... Fuck multi-million dollar developers. <laughs> yeah, no. We deserve Toontown. Is that, the, is that the takeaway from this movie? Literally. Fuck land developers. <laughs> While still managing to be one of the greatest neo-noir parodies we've ever seen. <laughs> Guys, that movie is just so much. It is. It, it is. takes you through the whole range of emotions. <laughs> you're sad, you're happy, you're scared to fuck. Scared to fuck? Yes. <laughs> uh, sorry, scared to death. I know, you just really can't. You really can't with that last five minutes of the movie. Captalina! <laughs> I'm sorry, I kicked the whole table. <laughs> He's flailing his arms. Oh, <sighs> man. She's going to be in my nightmares. I know. That and Judge Doom, right? Judge Doom and Lena Hyena should have really gotten together. Oh, stop. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Because we never really did find out who Doom actually was. He was just possessing this meat yeah, suit. Yeah, he never got a name. Yeah. He's not Judge Doom. Yeah. What's the name of this actual maniac tune that's just killing at random? Like, oh, well, guess we'll never find out. I this don't... capitalist tune <laughs> that just wants to destroy his fellow citizens <laughs> for money. Oh, it's awful. Oh, my God, guys. Thanks for sticking with us through that one, guys. We know it's a long one. Oh, I have like a runner's high right now. I know, right? Like we've been doing so much giggling and howling behind the mic. Guys, I... it's just, it, this I think this is my favorite that we've done all month because yeah. it really is the best parody. <laughs> the writing, the music, the tunes, guys. And the fact that we can watch it now in adulthood and have a completely new appreciation for the humor, for the parody aspects. Bob Hoskins acting. Like, this is his greatest role. Right? I don't care what anybody says. Exactly. This is his greatest role. Give that man a retrospective Oscar. They they thought they were going to do a sequel. Oh, yeah. And then they were just like, you know, it's going to be so bad. We <laughs> like, they, they, they literally just knew in their minds, like, it'll be really bad, so we're not going to even try. I like, I, I like that judgment. I like that judgment. You don't see it a lot amongst Hollywood execs. There is a sequel to the book. Who plugged Roger Rabbit? But <gasps> is that about his murder? I don't know. Well, plug usually means shot. Oh, wait, yeah. I forgot to mention this, guys. He dies at the end of Who Censored Roger Rabbit. Someone kills him. Oh, my because God. Because the tunes can be killed in the book. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. Oh, no. And then the sequel's about Eddie someone solving his murder? Yeah, someone shoots him to death at the end of Who Censored Roger Rabbit. Oh, my God. I know. It's too dark. All right. I'm sweating. Let's get out of here. All right, guys, thank you for joining us for Genre Parody Month for some fool-ass film selections. We'll probably do it again next year. Oh, I love it. I can't wait. No, yeah, it'll be fun. But, guys, every April, I feel like we're starting anew. We need a little comedy in our lives, so we're happy to bring you those coverages. But, guys, in May... 
we're not going to stick with a theme. We're just going to do a little bit of film potpourri, some stuff we've wanted to do forever, and now we're getting the chance. Yeah, yeah. Normally, we do movies about mothers, and I'm still going to shoehorn a mother movie in there. We will, we will. It's it's just going to be in a very unexpected context, I promise. But guys, for for May's first coverage, we're going to do... A millennial classic. Oh my god. One we've been wanting to do forever. And it is, in fact, a remake. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. And guys, Robin's been gone from our coverages for too long. Oh, it's been ages since we did a Robin Williams film. Yeah. It is a Disney film. Indeed, indeed. Guys, next week we will be covering the 1997 family comedy... Flubber! Flubber! Oh my god! Oh my god, Weebo and Weebet and <laughs> Marsha Gay Harden! <laughs> Your wrist flopping! <laughs> it's a good one. I can't wait. Alright, guys, thank you so much. Look out for that next week. In the meantime, please go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. We love hearing from you guys. Thank you very much for the emails. Also practice the three R's. Rate, review, Roger Rabbit. Rate, review, Roger Rabbit. We want everyone to come on by and laugh with us. <laughs> More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry mom. mom.